Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus be gambleaware.org T's and C's apply Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast with me Sam Matterface as West Ham United pick up the Europa Conference League trophy in dramatic circumstances in Prague we'll have all the fallout from what was a rather ugly final at times Adrian Durham and Dean Ashton were with me in Prague and we'll be bringing you all the reaction from here as we look back on what was a fabulous night for West Ham United. We'll also be in Istanbul as well where Alex Crook has landed ahead of the big Champions League final between Manchester City and Inter Milan as Manchester City look to do the treble. But let's start in Prague and look back on a momentous night for West Ham United and in particular Declan Rice and Jared Bowen. Are you okay? Tonight, it's hammer time. He sent the ball to Pakatar, who's released Bowen, who's running through on goal. He shoots and scores and wins the Europa Conference League final for West Ham United in the last minute of the game. Jared Bowen, you beauty, you absolute beauty. You will go down in West Ham folklore. To score a winner in the last minute to, to bring this trophy to, to this club is the best moment of my career. As a boy, he would have dreamt of these moments, Jared Bowen. He'd have been in his garden pretending that it's Jared Bowen going through to win the trophy. There may be two Danny Dyers, but there's only one Jared Bowen. The minute Jared went through, I was edging down the touchline. If there was MD I thought was going to score, it would be Jared. The minute he got through, I thought, this is the moment. This is the one Jared will, Jared will do it. And their 43 year wait for a trophy is going to end. Remarkable, absolutely remarkable. They are European trophy winners for the first time in a generation. Declan Rice grabs the Conference League trophy, thrusts it into the Prague night. West Ham are the winners of the Europa Conference League 22 23. Those West Ham dreams for once didn't fade and die. Well, it's like an hour now after the uh, eventful Europa Conference League final. And what emotion sort of poured out of all the West Ham players afterwards. It was brilliant. It was great to uh, to be able to call that moment and be with Adrian Durham and uh, Dean Ashton in a little bar next to our hotel, mm-hmm. um, which is open till very, very late, which is good because... I'm going to try and keep you up now until you get your flight to Istanbul. Well, my, my alarm is due to go off for my flight in less than five hours. I suspect I may not be going to bed, which will be rather annoying. But actually, I feel, I'm not even a West Ham fan, and I feel elated. And I thought I'd be having these emotions 
and a big outpouring for Declan Rice. Mm. And I am a little bit, but it's more more for Jared Bowen. I'm I'm so impressed with Jared Bowen, but his career, his life, everything, plus the way he took the goal as well. I just I love that an English player has has won a European trophy for West Ham. I think it's just a beautiful thing, and I'm. I don't think I'll be able to sleep even if I want to. He's back to being nice again. <laughs> this is great. This is what we wanted. Yeah. Um, 1994, the last time that an Englishman scored a winning goal in a European final. Let's just break it down. It wasn't a great European final, but that was a great moment, wasn't it? I mean, at times it was quite an ugly game, Dean Ashton. It, it was extremely ugly. Um, it really surprised me when... when you, that stat was mentioned that an, an Englishman hadn't been at the forefront of a, a European competition, you know, and I think it, Adrian's right. It's, it's quite a special moment, actually, you know, being English to see somebody run through on goal, you sort of get on the edge of your seat and you think, go on. And, and he just, he took it so well, considering he had that pressure on him from the defender as well. For such a, a, a horrible, ugly game, that moment just, properly shone right through I think everybody that was there and um, it's just a great moment for Jared Bone. it's one of those you dream of Can I just give an honorary mention to Steven Gerrard he didn't get the winner in the Champions League final in Istanbul but he, he had quite a say in that game didn't he? <laughs> they, they call it the Gerrard final for a reason Yeah, we don't mention Steven Gerrard around Dean though Oh we? sorry no. sorry Dean Dean did come up with one of the great lines of the night though when he, he said did. don't worry Stephen Gerrard isn't going to pop out of the woodwork and ruin this one. <laughs> I think that's that's probably just self-preservation. Um, I just thought over my shoulder I was going to see him just run down the steps and <laughs> go on the pitch and whack nick the trophy. Blast, blast one in in a purple shirt and uh, ruin it for everyone. But no, it wasn't to be. It was West Ham's night. Aid mentioned it as well. Declan Rice, I think, deserves that moment for yeah. how he's how he's been with the football club, what he's put into the side, um, and deserves that moment of lifting the trophy. It's been a brilliant week. So we've had, we've been here for three or four nights now, and we've enjoyed the company of the West Ham fans. The West Ham fans largely have behaved really well. There was an incident in the first half which we can't ignore because it was significant. You know, there was a lot of cup throwing. I know emotions are high. I know that they might have been disappointed with the referee or the theatrics from the Fiorentina players in the early stages of the game. But there isn't any excusing that sort of behaviour, especially when you know that the, the image of English fans isn't great across Europe anyway. And, and the sort of sight of Baragi, the blood streaming from his head because of a West Ham fan throwing something at him is going to be the enduring image, I think, for most of Europe. I mean, for us, it will be the Boehm goal. That will, that will be the story. But for everyone else, it's going to be that, that moment. And that's quite a sad thing after what has been a brilliant week. I'd say it's a shame as well for, for Rice, Bowen, for Moyes as well, but that, you know, elsewhere on the continent, that that will be the main memory. And I didn't really understand it either, other than, yeah, some decisions didn't go your way. There was a bit of play acting. But West Ham played their part in that. Ben Rama was booked for diving. I thought all round it wasn't a particularly great spectacle until the Paqueta pass and, and, the, and the Bowen finish. But I just don't understand that. That maybe I'm a different breed, but I just I can't understand that mentality of oh look, there's a player for the other team who's about to take a corner. I know what I'll do. I'll stack two cups together and try and hit him on the head. What do you think is going to happen? It's going to cause an injury and it's going to be blood poured. And I, I said at half time that on air that. They should identify, they've got cameras, identify who it was, throw them in the cells for the night and then deal with them tomorrow morning. I just, there is no place for somebody like that 
at a football stadium. Well, again, what if you go on to win the final? You're going to miss everything. It just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. You've put yourself in a really stupid position. You've made your club look stupid. You're there representing your club, whether you like it or not. You're going to be, the club are going to be judged by the actions of the supporters. You know, it was just a really silly thing. And look, we don't want to labour it too much because ultimately that's not the big story of the night, but it is something that is going to come up and it well, needs, what, to, be, what needs got, to be doing. What you've got to consider is whether that is going to affect. They've got into the Europa League mm. by winning tonight. Will that affect? Will UEFA look at this and and maybe deal with West Ham in a certain way. And you just don't know how that might affect next season mm. for certain supporters that want to go and enjoy another European... There's every European chance tour. now that the London Stadium will end up not having supporters for a game. Can you imagine? Um, there, there is another element to it. At halftime, I kind of trawled social media and had messages from West Ham fans I knew were in that end. And they were talking about, they weren't excusing what happened. You can't excuse what happened. There is nothing. You know, an individual has, has thrown a cup and it's, it's drawn blood on a footballer. You can't excuse that. It wasn't a stadium necessarily fit for purpose. No, it certainly wasn't. So that was, that was a little bit part of it. And because there was very little segregation, because the stadium wasn't fit for purpose, there was a lot of antagonism between certain pockets of Fiorentina fans and West Ham fans who maybe shouldn't have been placed so close together. We'd all love it to be no segregation and fans are all in perfect harmony and give each other hugs at the end of the day. That's not realistic. So uh, a stadium of less than 20,000 was not fit for purpose, even though Prague is a wonderful city. And the welcome that West Ham fans have got here has been brilliant. And they've behaved themselves in large. And there's a huge number. I mean, yeah, yeah there was only officially 5,000 allocated tickets plus the other tickets that they picked up along the way. And they did pick up some tickets, by the way, because it was basically three quarters West Ham, the rest Fiorentina. But um, but there was a lot more people outside the ground and in the fan parks and around the square. Most of those people behaved so well and it was such a brilliant atmosphere. I was walking in the square earlier on today. It was just terrific. It was just like beautiful summer's day, everyone having fun, really excited about what was in store. And how great is it that they're going back now with that trophy? You know, it's been 43 years since they've won a trophy. And now they've got their hands on silverware. Denigrated in some parts. I know it's the Conference League and it's the third, the tertiary trophy. But I think the European Cup Winners' Cup was the tertiary trophy for a little while. And everyone quite enjoyed that if, you, if your club picked it up. So I, I think it's a great moment in the history of West Ham United. You know what it's like to, to lose a cup final. And you said it stayed with you forever. But I imagine winning it stays with you forever as well. Those great feelings. It's incredible what that final whistle brings. You know, as players, you're able to go out there and deliver it. You, and you, you're in your bubble generally and you're delivering it for your teammates, for your management and coaching staff and your family and, of course, the supporters. But what you don't then get to see is what it actually then means and the ripple effect through that support and how then the supporters have those moments with and those memories with their families and... The, you, you don't realise you then have the open-top bus and you have that experience that they're going to have to um, get back to and enjoy and, and the supporters are then going to have their moment with the players that weren't here, that weren't in the stadium, weren't lucky enough like we were. It's all of those things. And then another chance next season to be in Europe again. It's all those it's all those things that as a player, you maybe you, they probably won't understand. They've enjoyed it tonight. You can tell that the, how long they stayed out there with the supporters. But this this will go on for the rest of their lives. I don't think they probably will realise until many, many years down the line what they have just done. Yeah. Jared Bowen's just changed his life. That is 
for sure. What about David Moyes? Because we've had um, a bit of a, a sort of a theme, I think, over the course of the last couple of days, which is asking supporters what they think about him and what his future holds. He came out quite stridently. I think he placed the article, the interview on the eve of the final for a reason, which was to say that he wanted to stay. I don't think there'll be any shaking him off now that he's won this title. What what will the West Ham fans' view of him be now? Because we sat down with a couple of fans who wanted him out no matter what last <laughs> night. I wonder what they're thinking now. Even if he wins, they Even said, if he wins, he's got to go. Uh, there is there is one question, just, just before we talk about the fans and David Moyes. One question on David Moyes. If Celtic come calling... Surely he can't say no to Celtic Champions League. I mean, I, I, I don't know the club he went to at seventeen years exactly. of age. He's a Glaswegian, you know. It's uh, for me that will be, a, and it's the Champions League thing as well. And he's probably never going to top what he's done tonight at West Ham. Exactly right, it, and it's actually fulfilled a, a massive career ambition of his to win a trophy. He's got that now, and his beaming smile was so wonderful to witness. He, he couldn't wipe it from his face. He'll probably sleep with that smile on his face next to the trophy as well. And his medal, which he couldn't stop kissing. Yeah, it was. Just, it's a beautiful moment. He's thoroughly enjoying the she moment. Absolutely, she Absolutely. And I think more people should, what have I been saying for a couple of years? Feel the joy. Feel the joy, except for when you talk to me because you just yeah. try to, you know, rib me a little. Some people just need to be put in their place a little yeah. bit, Sam. And, and you do it quite a lot. Yeah, no, well, yeah. it's clearly not working. I need to do it more. <laughs> um, but no, he, he's just, he's... I nearly feel, swore then, by the way. He's, <laughs> he's feeling the joy he's, and he's absolutely soaking it in. And I, I'm actually really pleased for him. He's had some flack. He's had some bad moments. He's been, there's been times at clubs where he's been pretty terrible, I think. Let, let's face it. Um, and times when he's been unfairly treated. And, and you doubted him when he took off... Ben Rama and put on four right. hours, didn't you? Well, it's, it's only because of Dean Ashton. You shook your head. Dean Ashton was substituted in the FA Cup final 2006. Dean Ashton, a penalty taker. And I thought Ben Rama, one of the best penalty takers around, has just been subbed. What if it goes to a shootout? David Moyes is going to look like a bit of a mug. Now he looks like a genius. Moyes knew what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> um... That penalty was terrific, by the way, wasn't it? The way he struck it, it was... I mean, he's, he's got eight from eight for West Ham United now, but that was, I mean, nerveless in the face of... Bearing in mind the context of it. I think I was studying him as, you know, as you see all the players around and he just kind of crouched down near the penalty spot, took his time. And it's so interesting with these really important penalties is, is when is the player in control? And he was in control. He waited. The whistle went... He then took his time going through his route. He really owned it. And he's got such a great technique of taking penalties that you the run-ups are so similar, whether he goes left or right. And that's usually a key. It's a trigger for a goalkeeper normally. If you can check if you change your run slightly depending on which side you go, you really can't tell beside Ben Rama. And he completely bamboozled the goalkeeper, sent him the wrong way. And at that point. I think everyone probably thought in that West Ham end, well, this is it. We're on to a, we're on to our, our winning the game, and then you get the disappointment. And I think Moyes has to take credit because he, you know, we could see it from up above. It's a lot harder when you're down there. He recognised that Ben Rama wasn't doing that work that was required, made the change, and it and it made that difference that was that was needed at that mm. time. Yeah, I mean, I think in in terms of the concession of the goal. 
the defending was really poor for that. It was, it was a disappointing moment. And to concede just five minutes after going in front, the noise at that moment, because there was, we've credited the West Ham fans with their behaviour and the way that they've sort of conducted themselves over the last couple of days. But I actually thought that during the game, there were certain times where they were so nervous and tense, they were quite quiet very, during the match. Very quiet at certain moments. And then once the goal went in against, once they scored the goal, they were euphoric or whatever. But as soon as the goal went against them, they went flat again very, very quickly. And that's why when they got the winner, we were all like, hang on a minute, five minutes to go, crikey, they, they need to concentrate, need to focus defensively. Yeah. And even though it was five minutes added time, there was a lot more play. It was like the, the new rule in the playoffs, keep playing oh until Sheffield God. Wednesday score. <laughs> Stop knowing about Sheffield Wednesday, they're you're a, bitter. They're applying that rule to, <laughs> applying that rule, uh, to the game tonight, wow. keep playing <laughs> you know what worried me about it is that I'd said when, when he went through the middle, I said, Jared Bowen wins the Europa Conference League for West Ham United. And then I spent five minutes with my butt twitching as well, thinking, oh, the last <laughs> bit more than five. You know, it was <laughs> eight. And it was like, I was like, come on, just blow the whistle. We've done it now. But in the end, it was West Ham 2, Sheffield Wednesday 1, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk, about the, talk to me about the goal, because like dead-eyed striker, you will know exactly what, what, what that's like to be in that position. Um, the pass from Pakatar was unbelievable. A moment of class. Well, you said worth the money that they paid for him. Absolutely. I, I just think that moment, just, just, I mean, he can, I mean, he's, he, he's obviously a brilliant player. I think he's a brilliant player, but mm. I think that that moment just showed his true class and that, you know, they signed him for a, a decent amount of money and he, he's been questioned that time. He's got better as the season's gone on. But in that moment, to have that, ability to get the weight of the pass perfect under that real pressure. I just thought it was a sensation. It's a risky ball as well. It was. It felt like it was something that's happened before. Mm. Like in tra- it's, it's almost like they both knew. If like they, a rehearsed move. Yeah. If, if, if it got into the right position, this was just going to happen. And mm. it just worked perfectly. The timing of the run, the beauty of the pass. But then what's so interesting is... Sort of, I almost sort of shunted in my chair when he went through because I thought, I know that feeling of you're through and the excitement level in your body just goes through the roof because you know you're through. And he probably knew he wasn't going to get caught at that point, but you can almost feel the breath of the defender on your back and you're just thinking, I've got to compose myself. Don't panic. And actually, I've watched it over a couple of times now and he doesn't actually catch it that well. He's trying to just gu- he's trying to just guide it towards the uh, the goal and make sure he hits the target and and, and ask that question, which I think is really important in those really really big moments. Can you find a spot where the keeper's going to find it difficult? And it did hit the keeper, but then trickled over the line. And and I just thought it was so interesting to see him compose himself for literally two seconds before Igor was about to just make that challenge, take the strike. It's just, I thought that showed his real quality under the severest of pressure. Yeah. The hotter the furnace, the stronger the irons is the tag in the back of the shirt. <laughs> Can I just say, Dean Ashton, we've been watching videos of young Dean Ashton <laughs> banging in absolute crackers at the age of 17 for crew against Gillingham, crew against Rotherham, Norwich against all sorts, West Ham against all sorts. So we've been watching these videos of young Dean Ashton. He's been showing them to Scoring, us. Yes, no, I mean, like, look true. at my goals. Please, please. And then, this and then, is how great uh, I was. He's had a go at Jared Bowen's finish. Can you believe that? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's the winner in a European uh, final, man. Yeah. Come they, on. They all count. They all count. <laughs> they do. I mean, I'm critical of my goal in the FA Cup final. It's so scabby, but I don't care. What was your I best goal that you care. scored for uh, West Ham, by the way? We haven't asked you that. What was your best goal that you scored for West Ham? Don't, I thought no, it was... we're not starting this again. <laughs> I've already had enough of it, by the way. So... I did have a career, by the way. Any West Ham fans that are listening, any West Ham fans that are listening, I did have a career okay. other, other than a testimonial. So the story <laughs> is, is that, is that, is that uh, basically West Ham fans have been queuing up to kiss Dean Ashton's head. And every time they come up to him, they always go to him. That overhead kick you scored in the Mark Noble testimonial. What a terrific goal. He's <laughs> like, I did score in the FA Cup final, by the way. Like, and I had I had a reasonably good career. Is there any chance that anyone can remember that? Yeah, and then he says, what about the uh, overhead kick at Old Trafford? You lost 4-1, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you remember my overhead kick? Yeah, but I scored, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we conceded four at the other end. You two have been enjoying this smart, noble testimonial. Oh, it's been the it's been the heart. It's almost been the biggest highlight of the trip. The actual biggest highlight of the trip was Adrian trying to get up that hill earlier to the restaurant. No, we went, the, the biggest highlight was tonight me sniffing my beer, <laughs> which went horribly wrong. Now straight in the beer. Yeah, Dean complained, sent his back. You know, yeah. these these pro footballers they're quite precious. <laughs> well, you got right in there and found out, didn't you? <laughs> Strange experience. I misjudged it completely. It was about when we were saying on the way on the way back here. Can you imagine the atmosphere in the centre of Prague tonight for those West Ham fans? I mean, they are they they are going to be swimming in yeah. beer, aren't they? Well, and, I can I can imagine it. I it. can't imagine being involved. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. But that's again, that's another thing that the players have done. They've given them this night that they're just gonna continue into the early hours and beyond I'm sure well something you've said consistently since we've been here is is actually it's about memory making mm. for those West Ham supporters it's about the memories <laughs> that they pick up on this on this tour you know and even if they'd lost tonight they probably made lifetime memories but the fact that they won tonight means that this will probably go down as their greatest moment following their football club there's a whole generation of more of West Ham fans for whom this is the greatest night ever and, and it always will be but, yeah, I have had that mantra. And, and listen, when you support a club like I support, you have yeah. to just live on the rare memories <laughs> when they happen to stumble along. I mean, you were fantastic in the first leg of the playoffs, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, you reveled in that. Yes, yeah, so keep playing until they score. Um, <laughs> but Yeah, they scored five. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it is about memories for a lot of clubs that don't regularly win trophies. But when you go and win one, then that is, that's so special. That's going to live with them forever. And this is why. You know, there's sometimes that debate of, do you, would you rather stay up or win the FA Cup or win the league? Always take the trophy. Because mm. you always come back up the next season. Well, look and, at Wigan. I mean, they've been dining out on that forever. They remember that day like no other. And Birmingham as well with the yeah, League yeah, Cup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, I, I, I refuse to believe anybody who thinks differently. But I, I think it's it's magnificent for West Ham. And I, I think it's a gorgeous trophy as well. It's really <laughs> it's gorgeous. gorgeous. It's, it's got 32 beautiful. grooves in it that represent each of the teams that compete in, in, in the tournament. Did you How know that? does it weigh? It weighs, <laughs> it weighs four kilograms <laughs> less. You, you talking about it makes it less attractive. <laughs> Four kilograms less than the Europa League trophy, which is the, the heaviest of the three. How is the, how is the Europa League trophy? 
heavier than the Champions League trophy. I don't know. That's not right, is it? That no. needs to be addressed. Yeah, well, put some weights in it. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> Fill it with champagne. Uh, <laughs> which, which I'm sure that uh, Jared Bowen is probably doing with the uh, the Conference League trophy. And Je- Declan Rice has obviously been it's sort of the front and centre of lifting it and parading it. And he was going round all four sides of the ground where there were West Ham fans milking every moment of celebration. You said to me as we walked down the steps, have you ever seen a team stay out this long and celebrate a trophy? I said, it's actually, it's, it's going on longer than the Lionesses celebration, which was long. Um, but um, Declan Rice, I mean, could you have written a better ending to a West Ham? I mean, he's going to move on now, but he's going to leave as the, the captain, the only the third captain in West Ham's history to lift a trophy. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it, in a way, it's made it more difficult because... They've got Europa League football next season. It's not made it more difficult. He's definitely going to leave. There's no, there's absolutely no doubt. Surely, how has it made it more difficult? He's going to go and play Champions League football somewhere. You don't, you're not telling me that after winning this trophy, he's going to stick around to play Europa League football. Mm-hmm. He's probably not. No, but West Ham will want to keep him because they're in Europe, and that's the the the, the thing that they'll say to him that we're, we're in Europe. And we want a top dollar. And and someone, I think, will probably pay for what, what it takes to get Declan Rice. Because, yeah. again, in those certain moments when those top players turn up, he did. He, he still had those. And I'm not talking about tonight, you know, a, a defence splitting pass from him or a wonderful goal. Or it's those, it's those key moments where you've got to keep things tight or you've got to go and chase. And Adrian said, you've got to go and make sure that things are right within your team. And I think he, do, he does that and, and he's, a, he's a big team player. Mm. And I think he's, I thought he was brilliant tonight. I actually thought he was a contender for man of the match and because he, and we spoke about it after the game, Dean, on air, that there was a, a couple of moments where he was chasing things and lifting. He was like urging his team forward to, to press and he carried the ball over the halfway line, running with the ball. I thought he was, again, magnificent, but without... I think people might watch the game and say, oh, he wasn't that good. I had a message from a West Ham fan saying, what do you think of Declan Rice tonight? And I knew that they were going to say he's not been that good. And I said, he's, he's probably doing the work of two or three men in that, in that midfield, working so hard, tracking dis- everyone. There's a discipline there, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, almost like he, know, he probably could keep getting it and running earlier on in the game, mm. but he knows there's a discipline that's needed and required to make all the other players realise there's a discipline to the way that they're going to play. I like it or not, that is the way that David Moyes wants. And he will perform what the manager wants and, and take people with him. I thought it was interesting because right at the beginning of the game, actually, he was being pressed, man-marked by Bonaventura. And he knew, or we'd said in commentary, actually, this gig for him is a problem-solving gig. He's got to find a way of getting out of that in order to influence the game. And he influenced in a different way tonight. But that in itself shows a level of football intelligence that I think will hold him in great stead when he goes to Arsenal, for example. And I also think that with their goal, the Fiorentina goal, he's very close to Bonaventura when he scores the goal. But it's such a great goal. It's a terrific goal. I'm not sure there was a huge amount he could have done or anybody in a West Ham shirt could have done. Maybe Dean might prove me wrong on that, but... I just thought it was a, it was a brilliant. I didn't like the fact that Nico Gonzalez got the header in. 
that's my my view. He was up against Emerson, right? Yeah, right. In that, in, I, I thought in that circumstances, like you said, um, got to watch the flight of the ball, and you've got to make sure you influence it. The fact that he could nod that down into the path of Bonaventura, I wasn't happy about that. Should they then got out closer to him? Well, so basically, Bonaventura ran off. Whether it's midfield player, whether it's in half, he's run off somebody because he's free in the box as it's, as it's being nodded down, and. They won't look back at it because they, they don't, don't care. care. <laughs> it doesn't and matter. And that's what's no so great cares. about that goal that's yeah. been conceded. They'll never watch it again. <laughs> There's no analysis required. <laughs> and indeed, Emerson. Can we just look at what he's won? Everything. <laughs> he's won the lot. <laughs> I think probably it's easy to say what hasn't he won. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, if you're having a go at Emerson, he may just show you his medals in response to that. Champions League, Europa League, <laughs> Conference League, the first player to do all three. And he's won the UEFA so Super Cup and the Euros as well. Incredible. Amazing. In fact, I only think he started one of those games. And that was... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, two, he started the Europa League final as well for Chelsea and Baku. He started two of them. So uh, congratulations to him. Um, okay, so uh, you're off to Istanbul now. I am. I'm flying to Istanbul in about 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> um, so advice to those people in Istanbul, because we've had... We had terrific lunch earlier, didn't we? It was fantastic. Don't take Adrian up a hill. <laughs> Do not take me up Don't. a hill because I, I probably won't last. And and try and turn the sun off. He actually said to me at one stage today, Sam, could you just tell that sun to F off? <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't. No, I didn't. No, no, because funny if we can't control the sun. <laughs> What's incredible is that I will toodle on back to, to the UK and I will watch... Adrian Durham swap Sam Matterface for Alex Crook. All, <laughs> all the very best. <laughs> Do you think he's going to get you in a cab? He's uh, staying in a different hotel in a different part of Istanbul, <laughs> so I've properly lucked out. Good news. I'll tell you what, let's swap Prague for Istanbul right now. Let's swap us for Alex Crook, who is going to preview the Manchester City attempts to win the treble. He's in Istanbul and he's got a full preview of the Champions League final. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus of the Bypassal Rise plug sale and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now, imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bowl & Branch Sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl & Branch Sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code BUTTERY. So head to bollandbranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Yeah, yeah. 
Phillips are up. Monaco have beaten them on away goals. Manchester City's long wait for their first Champions League trophy goes on another year. Manchester City 1, Leon 3. Chelsea lead Manchester City in the 2021 Champions League final. I admit that it's the trophy that we want. And of course, will not be complete my period here if we don't win it. Haaland at the other end, played in by De Bruyne. Uber Meccano's gone down, and Haaland has wrapped it into the net. He's been brought in to win the Champions League, so if they don't win it, yeah, it's got to be a failure. Giving it to Martinez again to finish it, drives it in at the near post, and sends Inter to Istanbul. Inter couldn't be in better nick to face this challenge. City eye their crown. And they're one win away in the Champions League. The, the treble, treble is on. Yes, welcome to Istanbul. And as if by magic, it's only Adrian Durham. <laughs> I've got on the magic carpet from Prague here in Istanbul, ready for the Champions League final. What a week. And we've got it all covered on TalkSport. Brilliant. And you look fresh as a daisy, considering what time did you leave Prague this morning? Now I know you're lying. <laughs> that is one old daisy. <laughs> it's been trampled underfoot a lot. Uh, left Prague. Well, actually, the alarm went off at about half past five this morning. Uh, I was on uh, Paul Coit's early breakfast um, back home. I can't even work out what the time difference was, but did that from the airport and then flew to Istanbul. I'm losing track of what I did, to be honest with you. I can't remember what time we landed, got to the hotel, and everything was fine. So uh, all good. I'm o- I'm okay and I'm all set. And we've had a bit of a, a magical mystery ride, courtesy of producer Declan, who for the first time has driven abroad. He didn't tell us that before we got in the car. And it was quite a small car for four quite substantial guys, including our cameraman Alex, and a lot of equipment. I've just started to fill my legs again, but we have been to the stadium, uh, magnificent arena for Saturday's final, the Ataturk Stadium. We've got our accreditation. We've had a look around. How excited are you? Very, very excited. Excited to uh, just be in one piece after that drive. Actually, he did very well, Dick. But yeah, the stadium is magnificent. Um, it obviously held the 2005 final. Uh, and any anything like that drama and a win for City, I think will be brilliant on Saturday night. Um I think the stadium's really good. It, it's in a weird place compared to where the rest of Istanbul is, but once you get there, it looks magnificent and uh, the atmosphere generated should be great. I'm seriously excited about it because it's just been a great couple of weeks. City securing the title, end of the Premier League season. Uh, then they win the FA Cup. Then you've got West Ham doing the business in Europe, which I think puts a little bit of pressure on Manchester City. But if they do get the win and do the treble and win the Champions League, so double Europe, trophies for English sides, then I think it's just going to be a euphoric Saturday night on TalkSport. You mentioned that what West Ham achieved in Prague puts a bit of pressure on Man City. I was in the the, the tunnel at Wembley at the weekend after they won the FA Cup, the second leg of this treble pursuit they're on. Carl Walker had a blue wig on. He was asking for music in the dressing room. Stefan Ortega came out to conduct his TV interviews, swigging from a bottle of beer. They look very relaxed, these City players. We know that Jack Grealish enjoyed the celebrations, looking at his social media. They don't look to me like a team of players who are weighed down in any way by the expectation of what they're trying to achieve. They look very focused and they look like they're ready to embrace being the favourites for this Champions League final. I'm intrigued to know whether you think that's a good thing because have they relaxed a little bit too much? Have they celebrated a little bit too much or... Was that okay? I think Pep gave him a couple of days off 
Um, so Lord knows what Grealish and Co were doing during those two days. It's up to them what they were doing. But if they're in no fit state for the final, then he won't play them. We know that. But that would obviously weaken the side because we pretty much know Pep's 11 more or less. So I just wonder if maybe it was a little bit too much. It was, it was a very emotional reaction to winning the FA Cup, which normally I would like, and I do like it. You know, it should be a big thing. Winning that competition, a competition we revere, we, we hold dear to our hearts in England. And Pep shed a tear. He was emotional. The players loved it. Jack Grealish, who'd been a losing finalist with Villa, finally got to win the FA Cup. You can tell how much he loved it as well. And I, I really love the fact that English players and, and players generally love winning the FA Cup still. But that treble is still there to be won. So I just wonder if maybe those shoulders dropped a little bit too much and they let themselves go just a little bit too much. We won't find out till Saturday, I guess. You mentioned 2005, the miracle of Istanbul. Some people are saying it will be a miracle if Man City don't win this final. People have said to me during the week, knowing I was coming out here, neutral football fans, this is the biggest mismatch in the history of Champions League finals. I don't necessarily agree with that. I look at Inter Milan. They were quite impressive with the way they swatted AC Milan aside in the semi-final. Obviously a big grudge match, local rivalry. They've won 11 of their last 12 matches in all competitions. The only defeat they've suffered in that time was against Napoli, who, as we know, were Serie A winners this season. In Lataro Martinez, I think they've got a genuinely top-class striker. 20 goals for him this season. Really good goalkeeper in Anana, who is wanted by Premier League clubs. Is it dangerous just to completely write off into Milan? They've won this competition three times. No, it, I mean, it is dangerous to just to write them off. Of course, anything can happen over 90 minutes, 120 minutes, shootout, whatever. And Inter Milan are good. And actually, they um, you know, they, they won the Coppa Italia final as well. They, they were losing in that. So they've got some character. They come back. I mean, there were a couple of missed sitters from uh, Jovic for Fiorentina in that final. So maybe they had a little bit of fortune as well. But you, know, you will need a little bit of that along the way. You can't write them off at all. You just cannot do it. However, player for player... I mean, are there any Inter players who get into the Man City side? Possibly the goalie. Possibly the goalkeeper. And well, he, you're a massive fan of, of Edison. I mean, there's two schools of thoughts there because you, you look at his stats this season. I think only uh, Bazuna at Southampton had a lower save percentage. Obviously, he doesn't have to make as many saves as the Southampton goalkeeper, but his distribution is excellent. Is, is he a top-class shot stopper? No, I don't think he is. And I think that there's a decision to be made by Pep in the summer over whether Ortega is the number one next year because I think he's excellent. Or Edison. So, and I think Ed, Ortega was brought in to truly challenge Edison. He played 14 games, played all the FA Cup ties, um, didn't concede from open play. So, I, I look at Anana and I've always respected him in his career and I look what he's doing now and think, I think he might just possibly get into the Manchester City side. So, but other than that, I don't, yeah, they've got some terrific players. But, I mean, you can even argue on current form. Does Latoura Martinez getting ahead of Haaland? Wow. He's got one in seven, hasn't he? So is it, is it one in seven, one in six? It's, you know, it's... it's that's, da- that's dangerous for Inter, though, isn't it? I mean, we know how much Haaland loved the Champions League. He's had the theme tune as his ring Tony scored bags of goals in the competition this season. We, we, we can't write him off. No, we can't. And uh, I, I was just about to add, <laughs> he's due a goal. Um, but he's also... Just look at the FA Cup final. His defensive work was phenomenal. He can set up goals. He got a good number of assists this season, almost into double figures. So he isn't just a tap-in merchant like a lot of people thought he was. Either, yeah, it means a lot to him. He's desperate. Uh, I do wonder about Man City's away record in the Champions League. They um, drew all the away uh, legs in the knockout stages. 
and I think they've only won one away. Drew at Copenhagen, I remember yeah. calling yeah. that game for Talk Sport in the group stage. There were two nil-nils away in the group stage, so uh, they did win away in the group stage as well, but I don't know. I mean, does this count as a way if it's neutral? It's certainly not at the Etihad where they have been more or less invincible for a long, long time. So, I don't know. It's a, it's a strange one. Um, City's away record in Europe, but this is their time. I mean, Pep's got to learn from the mistakes he made against Chelsea a couple of years ago. And if he does that, I can only see one winner. They're the better team. They've got better players. And he won't do anything bonkers this time, will he? I mean, that, that, that Chelsea game was the only time all season he didn't play with one of those defensive midfielders, which was just inexplicable at the time. But you, you look at the approach this season, they let big personalities move on in the summer, the likes of Jesus and Sterling and Zinchenko. It gave them actually quite a small squad and they used fewer players in the Premier League than anybody else. So we sort of know what the eleven is going to be. You've alluded to it already. Carl Walker told us on Talk Sport uh, at the media day before they flew out that he would be fit and he's raring to go. So he's going to start. Ake or Akanji probably is the only selection decision that Pep has to make. That will see Phil Foden probably on the bench again. Would you go with Ake or Akanji in this game? I really like Ake, but he's had his injury problems. Um, and Akanji's been superb when he's been in. And what a signing for 15 million. They go on about. Uh, the 115 charges and all the money that City spend, and sure, they, you know, it racks up. But some of their best players, best performance, consistent performance have been relatively cheap. Um, I don't think it matters either way. And maybe there's there's down to fine details of who they're going to be up against and how fit they might be on the day. I think that's the only thing that will keep Ake out if he's not totally 100% fit uh, because of the injury issues he's had towards the end of the season. Then... It may be a kanji, but uh, either way, I don't think it weakens Manchester City, to be honest. And, and you're right. I think knowing that eleven is has been a positive for them, especially as the season's gone on and they've needed to claw back that deficit on Arsenal. But the other thing is that you talk about the players that he let go last summer, and this has happened consistently over season after season. Big players have left. Think that you know, in recent seasons, two, three years ago, or whatever, Vincent Company retiring. David Silva uh, going back to Spain, Sergio Aguero going to Barcelona. There's some massive players have left and it's been seamless that they've just gone on and won something again, won another league title five in six years. Now, for me, that you've got to respect the management of Pep Guardiola there. And, and you look at... Uh, sorry, our producer just been interrupted by uh, by the hotel manager. Uh, <laughs> but but you, you look at players being let go and that could well happen again that... I wrote a piece in my notebook this week. This could be Bernardo Silva's last game in a Manchester City shirt. By all accounts, he's almost accepted that he will move on. He came close to joining Barcelona last summer. Barca back in for him again. So too Paris Saint-Germain. And then you've got Ilkay Gundogan, two-goal hero in the FA Cup final. Some big goals at the business end of the season. Once again for Manchester City. He could be following the footsteps of Peter Schmeichel by ending his Manchester City career by going up and lifting the European Cup and completing a treble. It, it's amazing how sometimes football throws up these kind of stories. Yeah, it is. And Gundogan has been exceptional. Pep's first signing and another one relatively cheap, 20 million. And actually when he signed him, I think we were all thinking, Ooh, you know, he's signed a Dortmund player. What's going on there? And then we've realised that actually this is a, a truly brilliant pro captain who's come up with some incredible moments. Last day of the season, last year against Aston Villa, he did the same thing. So, uh, I think he's been brilliant for them. But this is what Pep does. He, he evolves the team. It doesn't mean he doesn't rate those players. He, he just evolves the team. He's changed the way they play this season as well. And I think it's going to be a really interesting summer. I know you're on top of all the transfer situations and 
there's talk of Declan Rice going to uh, Arsenal. Mount, I think that will happen. Okay, but Mount to uh, Man United might be persuasive for Rice to switch and, and go to United. If United sign Rice, Mount and Kane, <laughs> all of a sudden you have to say that they will be in with a chance of um, making more inroads as they've done this season United into Manchester City's lead at the top. So I, I think it'll be fascinating. They don't always sign the very best players at Ma uh, Manchester City. So if they allowed, just say those three players, for example, allowed those three players to go to Premier League rivals, I think that that's uh, it's a big statement from Pep saying, you can sign who you want, I'm still going to be here and I'm still going to be doing the business. You say he's still going to be here and we've, we've got no reason to suggest otherwise, but if he does complete this treble and he finally gets his hands on the European Cup, which has been his holy grail at Manchester City. Didn't win it at Bayern either. Obviously won it um, on more than one occasion at Barcelona. He sort of he sort of conquered it, hasn't he? Where does he go from there in terms of his Manchester City career? Is there any suggestion that if he wins this treble, Pep Guardiola, he might start looking at his future and looking at his next challenge? Um, is there a job going into Miami <laughs> to manage Messi? Um, I don't know. You could say uh, Pep might look at it if he does win the Champions League on Saturday live on TalkSport and say, yeah, Man City completed it, mate. Um, he certainly won't think that if they don't win the Champions League. I can't see him going. But he, he's made noises towards the end of the season of how much he enjoys it still. He loves Manchester City. You can see the emotion he's put into uh, games recently, the joy he's taken out of winning another league and winning the FA Cup as well. So some of their performances in the Champions League, the Real Madrid's at home and, and Bayern Munich at home was truly sensational. You know, kind of opposition where they've, you know, faltered and stumbled in the past, but no problem this time. It absolutely wiped the floor with them. So he might think, hang on, I'm just getting this team to the boil. You know, so yeah, I've won a treble. Do you know what I want to go and win another treble? So I don't I don't think the hunger will go just because he's won a treble. I think he'll want to repeat it and that'll be the challenge for him. And if he doesn't win it and Manchester City do fall to a shock defeat, would that be even worse in some ways than what happened in Portugal against Chelsea back in 2021? I think it'll be uh, pretty devastating, yeah. I mean, you can't say it's been a failure of a season. I, I, not with this narrative of judging Pep. I know he's talked about it. You can't just judge him on the Champions League. He makes players better. He makes teams better. And he still wins trophies. It's just that he's associated with this one trophy that he hasn't won for over a decade. And it is a fact that in 2008, when Man City was taken over, Sheikh Mansour's statement clearly said, we want to be, and the words were, winning in Europe. And that means winning the Champions League. So they have to do that. That's what the new owners set out 15 years ago, and they have to do it. And actually, it is taking them a little while when you think about uh, how long it was for Chelsea after they were taken over. They've done it well before now, yeah. uh, but Man City have been taking their time with it. There's been a lack of um, energy, I'd say, from the fans towards the Champions League, which I totally understand, given how UEFA have treated them in the past. But I still think those fans will want to win the Champions League. They're not going to win the Champions League and just ignore it. They're going to celebrate it hard. So um, I, I think he's he will forever be associated with the Champions League if, he doesn't win it at Manchester City, he, but he knows that. He's openly said that. So I think this is a huge opportunity. And you're right, I think if they don't win it, it's hugely deflating for everybody in and around the club.
And you mentioned the Manchester City fans. Uh, we're going to be in amongst them all day Friday, Saturday, building up to the game. Live coverage, as Aidan's mentioned, on TalkSport. And there is talk, actually, that rather than booing the UEFA anthem, as they have done on a regular basis, they might do a Poznan when that anthem is playing out. Would, would that be a more powerful message in some ways? Yeah, I mean, I kind of like the Poznan. They nicked it, obviously, from a uh, Polish club, but uh, like Poznan, in fact. Um, I kind of like it. Doing it in the middle of a game, I've always thought is weird because, you know, you, you should be watching the game, but it's what they do you know, and, and each to their own. But I would say that doing that is a far bolder, bigger statement than just booing it, which I think, you know, I, I think that can be so negative sometimes, just as you're about to kick off a Champions League final to boo it. It just doesn't feel right. So for City fans to do their thing, to make their own very personal, individual statement by doing the Poznan, I think it's spot on. It's the right thing to do. I can't wait to see it. I think, and, and we've seen, we've been to the stadium today. You look at that stadium, seeing City fans doing the Poznan while the UEFA anthem's going out, Champions League anthem's going out. I think that'd be brilliant. Let's do predictions. I think City will win. I think they'll be ahead at half time. I think they'll win by at least two goals. Give us your prediction. Wow, that that is bold. I was thinking bold as well. Um, I think Haaland's been saving himself for this. Out of form, Haaland. Undroppable, though. <laughs> <laughs> and I know a few uh, Inter Milan players have got points to prove and all that. And there's some good players as well. And they've got a good goalie. But I think I think City could actually run right. Um, they've not been in great form, really. Against United, they weren't brilliant. Last two games of the season, admittedly, after they won the league, they weren't particularly brilliant. Lost to Brentford, drew with Brighton. However... It's all building up to this moment. And I just think having got it so badly wrong a couple of years ago, Pep won't take any chances. He'll get everything spot on. Manchester City 4, Inter Milan 0. Wow. That is even bolder than me. Do keep an eye uh, on TalkSport social channels. Lots of content, visual content to come from here in Istanbul. All the best build-up on TalkSport to the big kickoff, 8 o'clock on Saturday evening. Our coverage gets underway at 6 o'clock live from the stadium. Adrian Durham will be alongside Stuart Pearce, former England World Cup player, and Jim Prowfer, our commentator as well. Should we go and get some food? Because you must be famished. Yay! Bring it on! Brilliant from Crook and the gang out in Istanbul. Thank you very much to him. Remember, we've got live coverage of the Champions League final live on TalkSport on Saturday night. We've got a preview show on Friday evening between 7 and 10 with Adrian and the boys. And then on Saturday at 6 o'clock, we'll bring you live commentary from the big event itself. Can Pep and his team do the treble? Uh, we'll be back on Monday to review all the action. And Soccer Aid is live on Sunday night on TalkSport as well. We'll see you then. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. 
It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.